0: All right, Loading Sports, Outlier session Season 2, getting underway with a repeat guest, Brendan Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals. Best hair in the league. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Maddie. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem, no problem at all. Thanks for coming on with us. Um, yeah, got a handful of questions for you today. Uh, ask you a little bit about the big league experience. Last time we talked to you, it was... Zero big league at bats. Now it's uh, a gold glove in the mail. Hopefully, getting there soon. Uh, let's just kick it off with you know how we usually do it. Give me uh, three things you are grateful for today.
1: Yeah, so three things I am grateful for. Obviously, the first one uh, I am grateful for another day. Um, second one, I am grateful for my newlywed wife and her continuous support. We had our wedding past weekend and three oh. probably the luxury to be able to work out and exercise pain-free i feel like that's something that not a lot of people have so i'm grateful for that
0: Ooh, love that last one
1: just oh, got into a yours. conversation
0: with someone today uh about body squats and <laughs> i was like oh they're really important you know to be able to get into that position as you get older and they're just like
1: eh i don't know it might be a little overrated i was like it's not overrated it's it's funny you say that my mom, um, my parents have spent a lot of time in other countries, uh, my dad's deployments. They said that a lot of people would just sit in like a squat position, like waiting for the bus, or just if you got a minute and you're just hanging out, they would just like drop down into a just a squat position and just and just hang out. So think about that next time you're sitting at the bus stop or wherever you are, just see if you can hold that position for a little bit. See it might pay off. That's a gem right there.
0: That's what I was telling the kids. So I was testing some kids last week. I was doing like a basic body squat. And for the kids that could do it, I was like, never lose the ability to do it. Just do it once a day for the rest of your life. It's like it takes five seconds and like you won't lose that. For the kids that weren't able to do that, I was trying to tell them like, hey, get it back now. Because the older you get, the harder it is to get back. Anyway, besides the point, three things I'm grateful for today. One is on my laptop at the bottom, there's like a little bit of like a like a weather update. So it'll tell you like when the, the temperature is rising or if temperatures are going to plummet or if it's snowing or whatever it is. So I don't have to like actually open up an app, which is really nice because it's like, oh, it's, it's warming up out there. That's good news. Uh, two is that we haven't seen snow in like a week. Um, I like the snow, but it's kind of nice to not have to worry about snow uh and then three is daily mountain views just you know you hop on the highway you look to your west and there's this beautiful over mountains snow-capped mountains uh that view just does not get old so
1: those are my three That is nice i haven't seen snow in a long time but then again we have a uh, other side i'm backwards here you can see over my right shoulder we have palm trees so
0: Mr. Florida. That's it. That's a West Palm tree right there.
1: Yeah. West. Nice. <laughs> it's funny. I was pointing. I couldn't figure out which shoulder to point over. There it is because everything's backwards in the camera. So that's the Palm yeah. tree.
0: Happens to me all the time. Um, well, you better uh, bring your beanie and, and get your gloves out for that trip to Colorado in April because they will play even if it snows. Yeah, it's
1: gonna be cold and, and flying into Denver. It's always bumpy, which uh which freaks me out. But anyone that's ever flown into Denver can can attest to that. The worst problems to have, like traveling to your away
0: games on a bus instead of a plane. <laughs> I've done plenty of that. Uh good segue right here into the biggest differences between now being a big leaguer. And the minor league life that came uh, shortly before that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of tee up. There's, there's kind of three different levels to this question. From a competition standpoint, field, what's the biggest difference between major league baseball and minor league baseball?
1: Yeah, so from a competition standpoint, I think everything is just sharper, right? I mean, you're talking about competition. You're talking about the best people in the world at what they do, right? These guys are one percenters and mistakes, like mistakes, whether it's on the bases in the field, uh, mistake pitches over the middle, whatever it may be, communication, it gets exposed. And so far as a hitter, we're always hunting weaknesses. But as you get throughout the minor leagues, and as you start to get closer to the big leagues, those weaknesses are just few and far between. So it. it it's all about from at this point, it's just all about preparing to the best as you can because you are facing the best guys day in and day out. And, uh, like I said, everything is just so much sharper. I mean, these guys, these guys don't miss, especially I think. Speaking of pitchers, man, you, you, like they, we used to say, we we're talk about Barry bonds. People didn't want to throw to him. He was getting one pitch to hit a night and he was hitting it out of the ballpark it's just to show you like these mistakes just get exposed.
0: Yeah, I can I can hear that loud and clear. I was just talking to a, a guy who just got an affiliated opportunity earlier today, and you know he's got a disgusting changeup, he's got a disgusting slider, and he's got a really good fastball that has a lot of life on it. And uh, his biggest thing is just going to be throwing it for strikes. That's the biggest difference because he, I mean, you can speak to it. Like guys have really good stuff at every level of the minor leagues, but at the big. <laughs> At the big
1: leagues, they've got really good stuff, and they don't miss. <laughs> yeah, I was always told, especially in the minor leagues, guys like Rovers and everybody that are coming to town, or just our managers or coaches that we had at the affiliates, they would say the hardest part is not making it to the big leagues; it's sticking. And I was like, man, like obviously it is very challenging to make it to the big leagues, but these these adjustments, right? Let's say you have some success against a guy that night with all the data and everything out there is like, they can find your weaknesses like fast and guys that just get called up from the minor leagues, they have all that data on you too. So it's like, how fast can you make adjustments? It, it, it truly is a, a league of adjustments. And so I know we're going to touch on this, but that's why it's so important to have these off seasons and be a self evaluator. So you can clean up it Cause everything is just so much cleaner and sharper. Yeah.
0: I think that's a good segue in the second bullet point here on the biggest difference between major league baseball and triple a you talked about all of the data that you're getting um from a mental standpoint you know i think there's the mental standpoint from the competition component but then there's also the mental standpoint of like mental load on a day-to-day basis preparation uh studying all of that talk about the difference between major league baseball and minor league baseball from a mental load
1: standpoint yeah. So there's so much data and that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. For example, um, when I first got called up, I'm just I'm like kind of wide eyed, like I'm, I'm walking around on eggshells. Like I don't really know what to expect. And luckily, someone brought me into the film room. Like, hey, this is how you get to the relievers. At the time, I, I was kind of spot starting, um, going just playing with guys who need days off or pinch hits or pinch runs. So I'm watching. It's like this is how you can see this guy's pick move. Or this is how you can see the outfielder's arms or this is the right-handed relievers you may get or this is the starter you're going to get on the third day of the series just kind of so that was like all right but i i like to write things down so in my notes like i'm like writing down like everything like oh this guy loves his changeup in a 1-1 one, one count he throws it at this percentage of a clip and he likes the breaking ball with two strikes and then i would get in there and it'd be a 1-1 one, one count and it wouldn't be that changeup. and it's like so so for me it's like it was learning how to filter through the data find what he likes what i don't like what and what i like and then kind of building a game plan based off of that and then knowing like once you get in the box like you've prepared obviously you have you have an approach but from there it's just compete so i think that's all that data right it can be a little bit of an overload you need to be able to filter some of that stuff out and there's other things like coming from a winning program, like there's there's pressure to win, right? There's pressure to win and, and you're one of twenty-six guys there at the time. There's there's pressure to play well. So you're talking about all these pressures and different anxieties of of winning and playing well. You want to stick and in, in all these things. So you have to filter that in too. And also um in the minor leagues the schedule's a little different. You play six on one off. So you know after that Sunday game it's like oh like a Monday Monday's off. I'm just gonna sit back. I'm just gonna you know, just take it easy. I know I got Monday off. Sometimes let's say you play a Sunday night baseball and then the next night you're in another state, right? You play that six o'clock game and you're popping forward into a different time zone. Like that's when the, the sleep gets messed up. The recovery gets messed up. That's why you have to pay a little more attention to the diet, things like that. Like, okay, I shouldn't have a drink uh, at dinner, like things like that. You start to start to plan ahead. So that's kind of where all the mental things, start to come together
0: yeah it sounds like the days can really speed up on you <laughs> Oh, especially especially early on too well uh thanks for breaking all that down for us i don't think that's a lot of thing that's not that's not something that a lot of people appreciate when they turn on the tv and they turn on a big league game um especially nowadays you know a lot of people are just turning it on and they're like oh it's baseball it's boring to watch whatever but like every single one of those dudes on that field who's wearing a cap or a helmet or whatever it might be in the dugout, like the mental load. And I think we all know this as human beings. We only have so much bandwidth on a day-to-day basis for information and, and for whatever else. And um sounds like most of that for a major league ball
1: player goes to preparation um and maintenance, really. Yeah, I think uh one of the biggest things, like, so you spend all this time focused on recovery and like just, just being comfortable like uh, with where you're at As when I say that, like just like being aware of like your breath work and stuff to just kind of regulate you um, or you're studying. And then I think like when it's time to to play, you've already done all the prep work that you need. I think that's when you can just like flip into compete mode. And I think that allows you to take some of the load off mentally because if you're thinking about a lot of those things like – While you're out there on the field, that's that's when that's when the game starts to snowball on you and speeds up on you. So I think that's important for any young kids listening is you've done the prep work. Now it's just go compete. Let me go out there and let me make this pitcher's day tough. I want to grind through at bats and and in the field. I'm not going to take any pitches off. And then after the game, take some time, reflect on the positives. Don't dwell on the negatives, but I mean, check them out you have to understand that there's always going to be negatives in this game. And then that's when you get back. Okay. Let's evaluate today. How can I improve flush it? Move on tomorrow.
0: Brendan Donovan's school of self-evaluation.
1: <laughs> we'll get to Well, I know we're going to touch on that in a minute. Uh, we'll go down that road. Uh, last one.
0: And this one's a little bit more fun. Uh, maybe what's the biggest difference between major league baseball and minor league baseball from a lifestyle perspective.
1: Yeah. Lifestyle perspective. Um, obviously St. Louis has a very passionate fan base. So for me, I was just always some, Oh, I, I'm just, it's just playing baseball, right? I'm just going to go play baseball, but there's a lot of things you don't realize. Like when you walk out of the stadium, people recognize you. Um, so that was, that was kind of strange to me. I never wanted to be someone that was in a spot. Like, you now have media, like there's a camera on you at all times. Um, everything you say or do is under a spotlight. So I think it's important to just obviously just being self-aware. Uh, you want to be a strong role model. You want to represent your family well, but you also want to represent for the younger generation too. whatever you want to display to them, whether it's, you know, it, it's doing the right thing off the field, playing hard on the field. Like I think that's kind of where the lifestyle thing that for me, that was a little bit of a tough adjustment. Cause I, I was just, I just always thought it was just, I could just play baseball, but it's not that you are now a role model at this point. So you need to take the time. You need to interact with the fan base and do things like that. Cause it, it is important. Yeah. And the big league hotels are, are nicer too, right?
0: <laughs> the, they're a little bit nicer. Yeah. No red roof ends. There you go. All right. Feedback loop. Uh, you talked about how much data. Is in your universe on a day-to-day basis, but not just, you know, day-to-day, but also looking at it from a more long-term perspective. End of season, what's the feedback loop look like? There's access to all your information on the internet. People are writing articles about you. People are sending you articles that were written about you. That's all different information that you got to take in. Um, where do you get your information from? How do you comb through it? And then, you know, how do you
1: go about attacking that from an all-season standpoint? Yeah, luckily from our performance side, uh, we have an app that we all have on our phone that gives us like our performance testing. It gives us practice reviews. We have in-game reviews. It has like all of our batted ball profiles. So for me, um, it's, uh, first off, I want to self-evaluate. What are some areas that I didn't like? What are some areas that I did like? And then I think it's uh, sometimes we we see our quote-unquote flaws and we want to turn them into strengths and we forget about our strengths and then they turn into flaws and it's just like the continual. And sometimes those, those flaws don't even turn into strengths and then our strengths just turn into flaws. And now we're just kind of back to ground zero. So I think it's important to understand what you're good at and what kind of player you are at first. And then two, not everybody can really cover for me, like not everybody can cover the whole dish. I can't cover the whole dish. I mean, there's times maybe when you're unconscious and you just, Are in your flow state and you just feel like that you can, no matter what he throws, I can hit it. But, like, that's pretty rare throughout the course of a season. So, for me, it was, like, taking my flaws and turning them into areas that I can just survive, right? If I'm in a position where I know this guy likes to throw cutters and then front hip sinkers, how can I survive in there? How can I go out there and how can can I compete? Instead of just being like, oh, I'm just going to try to pull this guy for a homer. Well, now, that's not my game. Now I, he's already beat me, right? So that's kind of how I, I, I evaluate that. And then actually a good one is a baseball savant too. I'll go in there and I'll go in there, I'll look at stuff. Like I remember we were looking at like some of the sprint data. I'll look at my average exit velocities on, on there uh, just to kind of see. I made an adjustment towards the end of the year where I stood a little taller and I started to hit the ball harder throughout the course of a season, like after the second half. So I realized that was a good adjustment. Um, and then two, I, uh, the app, uh, the loading app is like, I will track data throughout the course of a season. You can also look for ways that you can prevent injury. You can see, I know we're going to touch on this a minute, but how my off-season training is going. Um, and then, so you take all that information and you, you sit down for me, I write it down like after the season, like, what do I want to work on? And I'm like, all right, well, that's, that's realistic. Let's, let's put an emphasis on this. All right, maybe that's not that realistic. We can throw that out. Like and then and then you kind of fine comb it down and you're like, all right, this is the game plan. And then I communicate with uh off season staff and then you go from there. So you you're not just like throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. You have a game plan so you can really it's it starts here and then as the season starts it just kind of hones in together and trends at the right time.
0: Yeah, I think from a fan's perspective, you know, big league, the season ends and it's like they forget about you until spring training. You know, they don't realize that's where a lot of the real work happens. Right. Um, and to your point, it sounds like you've got, you know, a really nice system there to be able to gather the information, identify the areas that you need to work on, and then attack them. So um now that's a really cool look. So what specific areas did you attack this off season?
1: Yeah. Um, so I changed my training this off season um i think in the past i've always been a stronger guy um i've always jumped decent i've always had pretty good grip strength so for me it was like why don't i hit the ball that hard like last year i had a 110 and when i was in triple a and then my peak in the big leagues is like 107 i was like well for every one percent you can hit the ball harder that's 25 expected slugging points so it's like you're talking about one percent i want to hit the ball one percent harder which is one mile an hour, right? So you get that up just a tick, or you can get your average velocity up 1%. You're talking about like your production going through the roof. But while still doing what I do well, a lot of contact, hit some line drives, um, hit the ball where it's pitched, use the whole field, see pitches, not just getting up there and ambushing, making guys work. So I think that all rope back into my training how can I get the most out of my body? I want it to, to move efficiently. I want it to organize the right way. And I want to be able to own patterns and positions. So um, Goldie actually set me up with a guy down in Florida. Um, and like one of the first days I was talking to him, he was like, all right, well, you're strong. Um, but it's like shooting a cannon out of a canoe, right? <laughs> so you, you just don't have the just the transmission to hold that energy right it's my pelvis wasn't very stable so you get energy from the ground it goes up your kinetic chain but for me it was i was just losing energy so it's like now i want to learn how to use the ground i want to create stability in my pelvis i want to work on some internal rotation of my hips so i can load into my backside, and then from there i want to be able to unload it so you're that's all you're learning how to train in sagittal frontal and transverse planes whereas in the past i just kind of just you know i'm just going to squat i'm going to deadlift i'm going to you know i wasn't training rotational and sport specific so i think that was the biggest thing for me going into the off season
0: yeah and something that i've loved just from our conversations um and the, the trainer's name is colby wayne Tullier. so we'll, we'll put his information uh, somewhere for you guys to check it out if you'd like. Uh, highly recommend it. Um, it's just that it, it's a really good combination of sports-specific training, but also um, it's dynamic, it's explosive, and it's it's focused on training power. So I think there's a lot of strength coaches out there that maybe don't attack that. Maybe they're more traditional and they're into Olympic lifts, uh, which are great for getting strong. Um, I think that there are a lot of you know, coaches out there that are very into, you know, being, getting more powerful, explosive and fast. Um, and I think from everything that you've provided me from a feedback standpoint, uh, Goldie steered you in the right direction in terms of really good combination of getting you more explosive. Um, but also doing it in a way that is specific to your sport. Um, I know from what you've told me that Colby also works with professional golfers, high level professional mm-hmm. golfers, and they're also, you know, high level rotational movers. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think for people out there who, you know, maybe don't fully understand why a golfer needs to get train, I think, you know, looking up the Instagram page of Colby Wayne tillier, uh, could really shed some light on, you know, the different ways that, golfers are high level athletes and need to produce force and need to be powerful and explosive. Um, so anyway, uh, there is something I want to go back to that. You mentioned very briefly, you mentioned a stat about, um, your expected slug. If you can, what'd you say hit the ball harder?
1: Yeah. One per, if you can hit the ball, 1% harder, kind of how like the analytics breaks down it, it says 25 expected slugging points. Um, that's just kind of, just from being in and around data over the past year, I was like, I started to realize like hitting balls harder. And I'm not talking about, for me, I'm not talking about hitting balls higher. I want to hit, I'm going to do damage on a line. Cause I, I know the kind of player that I am. If I can hit the ball harder on a line, then those balls get into gaps. And if I do get the right angle on one and I hit it harder, then you're talking about getting a ball out of the ballpark something that I didn't do a ton last year. It's just like, but I think that all loops back into just moving better, right? If you can move better then your body is able to like hold and maintain positions a little bit longer.
0: So let's, let's do a little, a little connection here. Cause I I think this is great for anyone who might be a younger listener here. Cause there's an an amateur baseball with throwing harder and hitting the ball harder. Um, And oftentimes it is while that may be the objective and you just kind of spoke to why that's the objective, because it directly translates. You hit the ball harder. You, you, and for pitchers, if you throw the ball harder, you know, there's better expected outcomes in baseball that are associated with that. Um, but let's just talk about how Brandon Donovan doesn't want to ball harder by swinging out of his shoes. Brendan Donovan wants to hit the ball harder with the same swings that he was taking last year. I think that's an important concept where everything that you just talked about from a training standpoint, producing more force, um, stabilizing your, your pelvis, and all of those different things that allow you to hit the ball harder allow you to do so without swinging out of your shoes while able to maintain you know, your swing as it currently stands and do more damage with your swing and not a sellout for exit velocity swing that a lot of people are chasing artificially at the amateur level. So just, just kind of like,
1: I don't know, speak to that because I think that's really important for kids to hear. Yeah. So um, for me, I don't believe in, in jeopardizing technique for speed. If you don't have technique, you're still not going to be successful. Even if you do hit the ball harder, there's guys that have saw sound technique, lack speed, and still have a lot of success, more success than the guys that just have a ton of speed. I'm talking like exit velo or just bat speed or whatever it is, but lack technique. So if you can take a swing that is consistent, that requires less effort and you ever seen guys that that swing are like, man, they're like that looks easy. That looks easy, but the ball jumps off their bat. That's just someone that moves efficiently. And so, in, and when we're in the cages, uh, we want to hit the ball. Our goal is to hit balls 95 miles an hour on a line or depending on the guy in the air with the least amount of effort possible. Cause that means you're moving efficiently. And you think about over the course of a season too, if your technique isn't great, then you could, you could tweak something in your back, your oblique, like something gets out of whack that, that over the course of season, it just doesn't work. So if you can, your body's moving efficiently, I'm consistently squaring the ball up. You're going to have a lot more success than if you're just like, I'm just going to absolutely, I'm going to put everything into this swing, but I'm just, when I hit it, it's going to go far, but I don't hit it that often. So I think, uh, don't, I don't know how accurate this is, but like line drives, like our, like the expected average on them is like gotta be over seven hundred. Like so, if you can just like just like spray line drives around the field, that's usually sound technique. I don't know if anybody saw the, uh, the Joey Votto video where he was talking about. Uh, did you see it, Matt? No. So he was talking about good direction. It's hitting the ball flat. It's hitting the ball low with backspin. Ball that, one hops the center fielder, um, and then he talks about he's like when he telling himself to, to sit still so he can track and he can read the ball. Uh, but while also still creating a little bit of movement towards the pitcher so he can match uh, max out his bat speed. So he's talking about, he wants to like be in a good strong position and be still while also maxing out his bat speed so he can be consistent, but he's talking about like that good direction, hitting the ball low, hitting the ball with backspin. And so I think that's a good, uh, good teaching moment too. And I, I saw that, uh, I saw it on his Instagram and I thought, oh, wow, that's a really good video and a good teaching point for younger generation too. All right. So hit the ball harder without sacrificing technique or approach, right? Yeah. And uh, a roundabout I, way. Sorry. I started, uh,
0: no, 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 I'm, it was really good. It's really yeah. good insight. Um, how many hours do you spend per week training either in the gym or, speed work out at the field and i'm not talking about baseball stuff i'm talking about training all the you're trying to help you from an athletic standpoint hit the ball one percent harder
1: during a week in your off season okay so uh lift three times a week and sprint twice a week so um while i'm i work out for an hour but that means i'm getting there early and i'm doing like foam rolling prep work mobility well I do have some mobility built into the lifts that's that's kind of like the focus so I would say probably two hours of just working on my body a day because um, you think about it I'm um, that's just like it's not all at the same time so let's say um, I work out from eight to nine I'm getting there um, 7 30 745 making sure like I'm, I'm loose I'm rolling out making sure I'm just cleaning up tissue making sure i'm ready to go i'll work out there and then i go to the complex to hit before i even hit uh, i'm working on like um it's you ever seen like a k pulley before no it's like a fly it's like a pulley system so like it has a wheel on it and it when you pull it out like it lets slack out and then the wheel spins and it pulls it back in i put on like a a 3d strap and i'm doing like load and then extending my hips out of that so i count that as working on my body too because i'm I'm working on loading and getting out of it. Um, I do uh, other primers. I'll do like adductor rocks um, just on one knee. So I want to make sure that my hips are ready to, to extend and, and rotate. And then like halos to make sure that my, my core is engaged and ready to go. So I would say probably about two hours alone just on my body. That's not counting ground balls. That's not counting hitting. I count like the prep work all as body work. Yeah. So it's, it's basically a part-time job. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then when <laughs> Matt sends body. me, sends me some stuff, I'll be standing on a foam pad in my, in my living room, driving everyone crazy. Cause we're, we're trying to find a, a new static balance exercise. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> throw, another, throw another 10 minutes in there too. Okay. So that's
0: the off season. And then when you get in season, because a lot of people think, Oh, I can work out all off season and I'm ready to go. And then here comes a three month season and they don't need to lift weights or take care of the body or anything like, What's, what's the average on a day-to-day basis on top of everything else that you got to do to get ready and that you're spending on your body?
1: You just break yes. it down in terms of like
0: how yeah, many times of, you
1: lift a week. Yeah, so I, I lift two times a week. I, I want to make sure I get those two lifts in. If I'm banged up at the time, I'll do like a, a blood flow restriction lift. Um, it's just these cuffs that kind of like restrict the blood flow and then they let it out and it's just, it's good for recovery while still getting some load in. Um, and then like a ton of like, first thing you do when you get to the field, you eat something, you change, and then you go to the weight room, You, you roll out, you do your corrective exercises, you do your mobility, uh, you may do some med ball throws, whatever is in your program. So two lifts a week, um, if I'm playing every day, if I'm not playing every day, um, three to sometimes i would five times a week when i wasn't playing a whole lot because I wanted to make sure when i did start playing that my body was prepared to handle that load because it, it does take a toll on you like I know people say oh it's baseball but you think about that guy if you're in the first base side of the dugout and you're playing left field like that is a that is the far run we all joke like oh you got the short run this week like that that run wears on you so and if you're leading off that inning like you're coming in from left field you're pretty much sprinting in there putting your stuff on and then you're going up getting ready to hit like it and just being on your feet alone just wears you out your body cools down your body warms up that takes it takes a toll on your body so if i'm playing every day at least twice a week maybe mixing a third one just depending on how i feel a lot of rolling um, mobility med ball throws whatever my primer is at the time and then if i'm not playing three to five
0: Tremendous insight there. Thank you, Brendan. Uh,
1: the, the last
0: piece that I don't know if you touched on here or not. And it's worth repeating if you didn't touch on it. I don't think you did, but I'm going to bring it up. Uh, in the category of if you don't, lo- if you don't use it, you lose it. Sprinting. Yeah. At max effort, I guess you could say um, outside of in game. How frequently are you doing that on a week to week basis?
1: Yeah, so you layer that in. Um, I say you you can pick um twice a week if so. They do with the um, what is it, StatCast, and you got like Hawkeye and things like that, kind of track pretty much everything that's going on in the field. Um, and our performance does a uh, performance department does a great job of tracking it too. If you haven't hit 90% of your max speed in a couple days, like they're like, Hey, like it's, it's time to get some sprints in because a soft tissue injury, like you said, use it or lose it. Like hammies, quads, calves, hip flexors, even low back, like that stuff. If you don't use it, like it just, it just goes, it just not, it, it needs that force. You have to produce that force to maintain it. So I think it depends on how many you've, you've had, like if you're you can kind of tell like you're like, Oh man, I ran for a triple last night. That was awesome. But I'm sore today. Cause that's, you're talking about that's a max effort sprint. But if you haven't hit that 90%, you need to do that at least twice a week, I think. Um, And then even if you, if you've had a couple in game, you've hit it, you hit it once last night and then you didn't hit it for two days. Then I think you should, you should get out on a field, make sure, obviously make sure your body's loose and ready to go, but then just mix in a couple. So you, You don't have to worry about soft tissue stuff.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, max effort sprinting is, you know, I think this is well known, but I don't think it's well known in the, in the right populations is one of the greatest preventers of soft tissue injury. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to sprint speed because that's, you know, a risk for injury. But it's like, if you're doing that regularly, that actually significantly lowers your risk of soft tissue injury. Um, and on top of that, obviously it keeps your performance at, at peak. So, um, I think we both agree on this, like <laughs> pitcher hitter, any sport out there. That's not baseball, uh, sprint multiple times a week. You don't use it. You lose it. Yeah, it it's, just,
1: it's just force production, right? You're teaching your body how to move fast as well. So you're getting from sprinting. You're getting stuff that's going to help you in the box on the mound. Like it's all going to translate. All right, so let's translate.
0: Let's go to the baseball field a little bit. Um, I got a couple of fun questions here for you and then um, talk about your goals for 2023 and then get you on with your day, back out to those palm trees. Um, <laughs> what was going through your head during your first big league at
1: bat? I was terrified.
0: <laughs>
1: I was terrified. Like You work... Luckily, I I was able to debut the night before I debuted as a pinch runner. And then my first start in the big leagues was at first base. Um, Goalie got the DH. I was at first. Um, Bassett was throwing. We're playing the Mets. And I I never played in front of that many people. And St. Louis fans are awesome. You're talking about 40,000 fans a night, even on a day game during the week. Like work week, it's crazy. They're there. And – So I'm just kind of like trying to take it all in at the same time. Like I've got like, my knees are shaking, right? You, you never, you've never experienced anything like it. So for me, it was just like, I just had to like do some box breathing, like regulate, just tell myself, Hey man, you're going to be okay. Like, it's fine. You've, you've, the game is the same. There's just more people here and it's on a bigger stage. Like you're going to be fine. So I get in there and he throws uh he starts me off strike one i'm like all right whatever okay no biggie throws another one then i fouled straight back i was like that oh, was a good one to hit that was a good one to hit fouled it straight back so that for me i'm a little bit late i was like all right like he's still got to come to you right you're you're you've got good strike zone discipline like you're going to be fine throws me a slider i think it would have gone through my legs i swung at it and hit a cute, cute ball back to back to Bassett at like it had to come off at like 30 mile an hour and it's just it just spin and i was like well maybe it'll like run away from him and i can just steal a knock out of it get it out of the way and you know you didn't hit it very hard when you hear the catcher uh james mccann's like take your time you got plenty of time i was like oh that ball was not hit very hard at all but i remember i came i came back up my next at bat and he goes how did you hit that i was like dude i have no idea i was like it was either, I can't remember, I think he said it or I said it. He's like, I think that would have gone through your legs. I was like, yeah, no, he said it. I was like, yeah, I think you would have been right. And from then on, I was like, I was able to to laugh it off, whatever. You're going to be fine. And then I went up there I think I got hit my next at bat. So I was like, all right, now I'm on base. Let, let's get a hit. And it took me like three days to get my first hit. So that was a long three days. Dude, I can imagine. <laughs> um,
0: so that question was on Amari's question. My question in regards to your first big league at bat, something that I've always been curious about. I don't know what the exact number is, but anyone who has, who has made a big league debut and has had a big league at bat, you got to imagine that like over 95% of them have gotten a hit in the big leagues after taking a big league at bat. It's got to be like a really high number, right? right? How many guys get to the big leagues, get an at bat and don't ever get a hit and then don't get a chance to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So... My question is to you, and I remember when Alex Bregman debuted, and I think he was like, oh, for his first 14 or something. It was something stupid like that, right? (laughs) Does it, when you, when you like get past your first at bat and you don't get that first hit, and then you start, you get to your next at bat, you don't get a hit, you get to your next at bat, you don't get a hit, and you're like, at what point do you just feel like, is this never gonna happen? Like, does that start to creep in a little bit every time you get up to the plate?
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's human nature. You want to like, like obviously even if they're good at bats, even if you hit the ball hard, like it's going to happen. Like, and, and we want to panic. Like, you're like, Oh no, I like, I got to get it now. I got to get it now. But it's like, that's the worst thing you can do, even though we all do it. It just, it doesn't help the situation. Um, So my advice would just be just get a hit on the first, get get a hit the first (laughs) at bat, get it out of the way. Like, uh, like my buddy Juan Yepes, he gets called up. Um, I'd haven't gotten it. Did I no, I don't I did have a hit then. But I was like, it took me, it took me five, four, four or five at bats over a couple of days because I wasn't in the lineup regularly. And he gets up there his first at bat and hits a flare down the right field line for a double. I was like, I was like, I should have done that. And then he gets up there his next at bat and hits another one in the s- same exact spot. So he got two doubles in his debut. I was like, I should have done that too. <laughs> so it's uh so that's something we get to laugh and joke about but uh no it's uh you definitely start to think like oh like i gotta get it today i gotta get it today but it's just like take a step back take a deep breath you're gonna get one it's gonna be fine just continue to just compete like if you just have quality at bats then you're gonna be fine i mean that's a shared experience for
0: every major leaguer who debuts who doesn't get a hit in their first bat it's like
1: when's it gonna happen and and i think it's a cool thing you get you get your first hit and everyone's like pumped for you and for me i once after i had gotten my hit and i see someone else get my first hit i'm like man that's that's awesome like i know exactly how they feel and it's guys even 10-year vets they they remember how they felt their first major league hit right everyone's in the dugout going like this and you see the ball just get launched into the dugout you're like that's that's really cool and then I swear someone says this every time they say, congratulations on your first hit. I hope you get 3000 which is something really cool. It's really cool to hear that. Yeah, that's neat. I didn't know that, but it sounds like a uh, little bit of a baseball.
0: We we just got to peek under the curtain. I guess it's a a little tradition that you just passed down. Yeah, did you, did you just let us in on a secret of the game that we weren't supposed to know about? Uh, maybe. You might know now. We'll cut that. It's out. out. It's out there. <clears throat> uh, okay, so debuted last year and then uh, proceeded to play in your first – well, the first four starts in the big leagues, you played each of the four infield positions. And you went on to play plenty in left field and right field as well. Uh, you spelled Arenado on his days off at third. You'd play some shortstop, played a fair amount of second base, uh, even got a couple days in at first base behind Goldie, then L MVP. Um, You used all those gloves. And for the first time ever, Rawlings had a gold glove award for utility player. In your rookie year, you won. Pretty cool. Um. What was it like to win a gold glove and what was, you know, all the pomp and circumstance
1: around it? I know you didn't want to go to New York. I mean, you wanted to go to New York. <laughs> well, when you say it like that, it sounds kind of crazy. Um, yeah, man, I'm just uh, just, just truly blessed. I think uh, that gold patch, for those of you that don't know, when you win a gold glove and you wear Rawlings, you get a gold patch. And only people that want a gold glove have a gold patch on their glove. So – you see you see anybody out on the field, if they have that gold patch, it means that they want a gold glove. And and to me, I see that gold patch, I see that as like a testament of work ethic. I think so personally for me, I'm I'm very, very proud of that because the question for me going into college, coming out of college and even in the minor leagues, was well, we don't know where he's gonna play. Doesn't really have a position, like wasn't great anywhere. But I was like, I'm not going to let my glove be the reason why I can't play in the big leagues. Like I'm going to clean this up. And fortunately I, I have an awesome staff with the Cardinals minor league system, major league system that do a great job preparing me and putting me in scenarios to be successful all over the field. But I think anybody can win a gold glove. Anybody can win a gold glove because defense is something that it just it's just work ethic and it's time and it's just putting in the hours because that's all it is right i mean obviously there are people that are genetically maybe this guy's a little faster but if you're if you study the game and you work hard you have a chance to win a gold glove and that's that's how i see it because that that that's how i won one like i i I just try to just go out there and i just try to outwork everyone and, and, and i'll take pride in my defense and that's something that i'll continue to do so that's I cherish that that gold patch, man,
0: <laughs> love it. That's it. <laughs> look <clears throat> I didn't you know, I didn't really consider that you know that's that's something that's been that many years in the making, but it makes sense now that you talk about it. You, look for the people listening, Brendan Donovan was not a high level defender. And now, level defender at six positions. Just, you two can play in a big league. Just, just average at everything, right? Yeah, you put on you look you you put your mind to it, and you went from being like, oh, this guy doesn't have a position, to this guy has all the positions.
1: And and I think uh, I think the utility role is something that I kind of I did a little bit in college as well. So I, I kind of understood it, but I've also been able to pick a lot of people's brains to Cardinals organization. They value defense at a high level. And I remember um coming through the minor league system. I was like, dude, everyone on our big league team has a gold glove. Like I'm looking around our corner guys, goalie or not gold glove, Edmund, gold glove, the young gold glove finalist, Corey Dickerson. We signed him gold glove, O'Neal gold glove, Bader gold glove, Yachty nine gold gloves. Like, they're not a 10, five Platinums. It's like, Holy, like that is insane. I was like, I need to play defense or I'm not going to play. And so I was like, I, that, that was another kick in the butt too. Is like, if you're going to make it to the big leagues, you got to play defense. Like we value defense and in the minor league system, that's what they teach you too. And they, we spent a lot of hours on defense. Yeah. And if you're going to play
0: in the big leagues with the St. Louis
1: Cardinals, you better figure out how to play defense. Yeah, and and <laughs> for me in that utility role, it's like, all right, Arenado's got the DH state or he's off. That's a platinum defender. They don't expect me to be Nolan Arenado, but I need to play defense, right, because he needs his day off, and that's how I see it too. I take a lot of pride in that. And I was like, I want these guys, and I want the manager to be comfortable with me playing that position. He can have his day.
0: Yeah, indeed, I think over did.
1: the course of a season, it you need you have to give guys days off. It, it you you need it. Yeah, Brendan Donovan's
0: everybody's favorite teammate. Okay, <laughs> like, <Hey>, I need to <laughs> day off.
1: Huh. You're here to take my spot. Yeah. Comfortable being uncomfortable is what I call it because you're spaced out all over the field. You're sometimes I remember there's been a couple times where I've started a started a game in right field and then I went to first base and then I finished up the game at third base. And I was like, dude, these angles are weird. It's like, you come in from outfield to infield. You're like, I'm so close, but it's a lot different when you go from the infield to the outfield. you're like, Oh, okay. You come in from right field to first base. You're like, dude, I'm like right on top of this guy. Like there's so many, so many different angles. So that's why in your, in your prep work, even during the season, like you're taking, it's not, you're not just like, Oh, I'm just going to play. Like you have to prepare, you have to get your work in. If not, if you don't get it in, just like with sprinting, use it or lose it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you think about, you know, fraternities, right. And, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of fraternities in general, just as a, as a thing, you know, cause they're right. But let's talk about the exclusivity one of becoming a big leaguer two of becoming a gold glover. It's, you know, if you, if you get the gold glove, you talk about that patch and how proud of that patch you are. But like, you talk about the Cardinals and how important defense is. Everyone's got that patch on their glove. I mean, there's gotta be a little bit of camaraderie there. Um, And a little bit of comfort coming into spring training, just kind of knowing like, Hey, like, you know, I'm not a rookie anymore. And uh, also check out this cool patch
1: I got on my glove. You know, I think, (laughs) I think definitely more comfortable coming into spring training. Last year was my first time in big league camp and I was on the roster. So not only was I new to camp, but I was competing for a spot. Um, While I didn't make the team out of camp, I still thought I had a good camp and I was prepared to go to Memphis, our AAA spot. And then from there I got promoted this year going into camp. I know the guys, I know how camp works. I've been down here at the complex. So it's like, it's not a change of scenery for me. It's like, I've been here, I've been doing my own little spring training for the last couple months. It's like, now it's just like, now I just wear baseball pants. It's now it's like, I want to be in that routine. So definitely a lot more comfortable this year. Awesome. Uh, Favorite big league city other than St. Louis. Okay. Other than St. Louis. um, I like Boston Um, families from the Northeast so i played in the cape so i kind of got to see it but boston's cool man my my dad is a huge red sox fan so we went to boston um i'd seen fenway park before but i had never played played in there because we got rained out when we were supposed to have the cape workout so i'd never really been out on the field and i know my dad got to come into town too so we got to see it we got to see uh game six against the the warriors i'm sorry i know you're a uh, Celtics fan um neutral um, when it comes to the NBA <laughs> okay so got to see that it's, it's Boston itself is just pretty cool yeah
0: um okay so this might be the same answer it might not other than St.
1: Louis favorite big league ballpark to play in yeah other than Bush uh, this is actually a, a hidden gem I like uh, PNC Park in Pittsburgh uh Ooh. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You got the uh, Roberto Clemente or the 6th Street Bridge in the background. You got the the skyline in the background. And I just think it's uh I just think it's a beautiful ballpark. That or Wrigley, Wrigley's really cool. Well, it's
0: you, you're lucky cuz those are two ballparks in your division, so. Yeah, for sure I get to see those a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um okay, so let's talk about St. Louis. Right. And obviously the ballpark's beautiful and it's a fantastic fan base. One of the best in all major league baseball. Talk about the fans uh, and then kind of talk about the food city a little bit.
1: Like, you know, what do you, what do you like about the city of St. Louis? Yeah. So the, uh, I handed on it earlier, but there are so many fans. They're such a passionate fan base. And I remember we were playing, um, like I said, it was a day game during the week. I was like, dude, there are 40,000 people here. I was like, where like, are they not like people don't work? Like what's going on here? It was just, it was crazy to me. I couldn't fathom that there's so many people there on a day game in the middle of the week. And that shows just how passionate they were. And during the postseason, like it was, it was loud. and And that's saying a lot because it's loud every night. Like you get that playoff atmosphere pretty much every game. Like they are they're, they're educated about the game of baseball they love the game of baseball they love the Cardinals and they love winning so that that fan base is, is very very passionate and fun to play in front of um, as far as the I love the hill it's a spot we lived uh, we lived there this past year it's a spot on the hill and there is if you haven't been there there's awesome Italian food there. you can just go just go drive around go try some that. To me, was fun, and it was cool to see kind of that, like a Italian, just vibe in that area. It's called the Hill. It was really, really cool. And I know you, uh, you passed through there, and you tried the uh, the sandwich shop. Tell them what you think about that Gramophone. Yeah, good Gramophone. Right? That's that's certified right there. <laughs> it's
0: a good spot. You know, you know, I take my food seriously. You too. You know, and you know, you're a hitter on the field. You're a hitter off the field too one for one in the food book one for one yeah i gotta try one of those italian spots that you recommended uh um, yeah, i'll give you a couple yeah next time i'll come through st louis sweet um all right well i'm gonna ask you to share with us your experience using the Loden sports performance lab app it's something that we are really excited about uh in 2023 we're gonna get it out to the masses here in about another month. There's a couple of tweaks. You happen to be someone that obviously we've known for a long time um, and can find value in this and been one of our beta testers. Uh talk a little bit about one, how easy it is to use. Uh well, one, what is it? Two, how easy it is, and then
1: how it's helped you. Yeah, right. So it's a it's right here. It's simple. It's an app on your phone. Um whether you're it's a, just an athletic performance tracking system. So I've in the past, we've used, uh, micro gate jump. We've used force plates. We use jump mats Well, you have all that pretty much in your pocket. So that to me is crazy. I don't have to bring anything, but my phone, um, I have my wife. You open the app, you click on your name, you click on what jump you want to do. It's usually for us the three three rebound jumps or the symmetry test which is the five jumps on each leg you put the camera on you it's got the the little red dot that you put on you you jump and then boom it sends your data right to your table for me i've got the data over the last what would you say two and a half years yep two and a half years so for me that is i mean that that is that is insane to me like that is I mean, you you're talking about technology that is thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and you have it on your phone and you can just go outside in your backyard and just video it. And then you track that data. It it controls everything, tracks everything. So why you ask, why do you need that? One, for me, it was like when we first started doing it, it was like, am I at risk of getting injured? The most important thing for me is staying on the field want to be able to stay on the field i want to perform okay so when we started um it was left leg was a little stronger but it lacked some stability right leg it just it just wasn't there like so you're talking about i'm I, when i'm running i'm producing all this force but one leg is just not producing the same so now i'm at jeopardy to soft tissue injury so we cleaned all that up i wouldn't have known that if i didn't have that a way to test it and then from there all right what a, how, what's my power output what's all this stuff um, what's my RSI all this stuff all right now I have that data and I go through a full off season of training we jump once a week and then every uh, bi monthly we do the single leg jumps and the what was it right after New Year's we tested and to show that my training was working I was able to I PR'd in everything it was like Um, three rebound asymmetry jump so for me that that's cold hard data that shows you what you're doing is working instead of i cannot stand when i'm just like throwing things at the wall hoping they stick i want the data to prove what i'm doing is working so that's why i think this is extremely important and i've been the been the guinea pig from the from the beginning so i'm not going to put my stamp on it if, if i don't like it yeah. I mean, if you're not measuring, you're guessing. I think a ton of people
0: have, have said that. Um, and that's part of the reason why we're so excited about it. Because I think, you know, there's so many things when it comes to, you know, ways to measure jump jump data, right? So whether it's, you know, force plates or a mat or an optical system or whatever it might be, um, this is super easy to use. Anyone can use it. You know, obviously you said that, you know, your wife is the one who, who executes the test. It takes all of what, like seconds to do a jump test. And then the yeah. information is piped directly into a graph. You can see where you're at and, you know, it's allowing you to objectively train and, you know, objectively measure all of the things that you're doing from a training standpoint. Um, yeah.
1: like that's the data over the last two years. Like it's easy.
0: We're super excited for you to be able to use that, you know, as a, a source of biofeedback, you know, in season for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously you can take it on the road with you. You can go anywhere where you're supposed performance lab in your pocket um and yeah
1: it's uh it's great um another thing too um it actually can build build confidence too so we tested this was in 21 i we tested um we didn't i went was it high a double a triple a exhausted went to the fall league exhausted came back out of the fall league and we tested and my data hadn't sloped off any. So for me, it shows like, all right, so I may feel a little tired, but my body can still perform. So that goes to show you, all right, that means I was eating right, I was sleeping right, I was taking care of my body, I was getting my lifts in. So to me, that was a confidence thing to show like, I'm doing the right things throughout the course of a season to maintain. So for me, that was a confidence booster. Yeah, it validates everything that
0: you do on a day-to-day basis. It it ex- it helps you, Yeah. You know, confirm that you're doing the right things and that that extra 10 minutes of stretching or foam foam rolling or whatever that might be making sure that you're getting to bed on time making sure that you're not you know eating the wrong things at the wrong hours it's it's making it's taking all of that and validating that you're doing the right things because i think there's a lot of times where we tell ourselves like look i know this is right for me i know this is right for me i know this is right for me but i don't have a way to say for sure that it is and that makes it really easy to slip and kind of fall off. And oh, I'm going to stay up until midnight tonight because I feel like it. You know, that's not going to change things a whole bunch. You're someone who's been using a sleep tracker or a, a wearable for tracking your sleep. Yep. Yep. And you know, you're someone who obviously is not an exception in professional sports who uses that information on a day to day basis. You know, to to monitor your physical readiness and your recovery and all of those different things. This performance lab in your pocket load and sports performance lab is an additional piece for you where it's like now you're tracking your sleep and you're tracking biofeedback from your jump testing. And it gives you the confidence on a day-to-day basis that you're doing the right things. You're doing the right things in training. You're doing the right things from taking care of your body standpoint. And when you go out on the field, you're the best version of Brendan Donovan. And I think that's kind of the peace of mind that is really nice to have, especially after all the things that are going through your head.
1: Okay. Here's a hard number. I don't need to worry about that yeah it's your your accountability partner too like sometimes it tells you you can tell we we ran into this it was like hey like over over christmas break like hitting it pretty hard like take a couple of days let your body recover because that's another thing it's like yeah you have to work hard with you you have to recover and we actually that was the time that we had the the pr um and jumping. Is-
0: and it, it was the same thing at the end of last off season too, when you had to travel for a couple of days and it was the first time where you weren't hitting your training super hard and it was like everything shot up, you know? So it's, it's great feedback. I think it's great feedback from what you've said, you know? So just trust us, trust Brendan Donovan. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> he made
0: the app. Trust him. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Uh, anyway, let's, let's move on from the app. Cause, uh, we do want to ask you before we let you go. Personal goals for 2023. Anything you want to share with us?
1: Yeah. So I'm not a numerical. I do make goals, but I don't. I try not to do them numerically because in this game you can't really control that. You like there's only a couple things you can really control. So for me, I want to take the thought process, the preparation, the uh, the recovery. And I want to take that and I want to make it better. I want to pay more attention to my sleep. Um, I want sometimes when that uh, when that ice cream is, is yelling at me to come eat it, maybe I say no. Just just be a little more disciplined because as you do start to get older, like you just don't – your metabolism does slow down. So for me, it's just like being – taking everything I do and making it better. When I'm running the bases, I want to have sharper turns and i want to hit the bag on my right foot um i want to hit more balls on a line i want to hit the ball one percent harder um i've been working really hard on my feet defensively because the feet control everything it improves your improves your arm because you're cutting it out of the distance and you're creating momentum into the throw um it allows you to get to more balls it allows you to be on time when the ball is crossed in the hitting zone um and it gets you better hops um and then and then the biggest thing is just like play a little bit more fearless. All right. Let's say this guy does have a tip and you see the tip instead of sitting in the back of your head, like, Oh, well, 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 like I see the tip I'm prepared. Let's capitalize on it. Let's play fearless. So that's all I got for you. That's not m- numerical, just things that I want to prove on. Cause I think those little things over the course of a season will allow you to take what you do the year prior and make it better because it's little tweaks. <laughs> It's, it's the little things
0: on a day-to-day that add up over time that create big change. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to follow you around and summarize. Yeah, well, might as well. Now it's been you, – you've shed nothing but uh, beautiful golden sunlight on this, this podcast for the past hour. Uh, you are I'm in not Florida. It, but here.
1: Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. It's
0: that Florida sunshine.
1: That is at the palm trees
0: um thank you so much for hopping on i know that you got a million different things that you could be doing but you're here with
1: us no i appreciate that i appreciate the time i appreciate you always coming through my data and uh, giving me new crazy things to try in my kitchen on a foam pad um so yeah keep hitting me with any uh crazy balancing exercises and combing through the data and uh check out those jumps from today not very good but that's why we have it it's accountability part of the process that's right
0: loading sports outlier session season two debut brendan donovan st louis cardinals we'll see you you next time. time